Good morning, everybody. Good to see you in the house today. It's, uh, this is a little bit hot if you want to turn me down just a smidge, buddy. We are so, so glad to see you today. Hope you had a great week. Kim and I went away for a couple days on our anniversary. If you're on Facebook, you know that because my kids invaded all of our old pictures and made sure they got all the embarrassing pictures they could find and put them on Facebook this week. Not embarrassing of me or of my wife, but of me. And I just really appreciate them doing that. But uh, uh, I'm kind of hobbling a little slow today. Uh, I did something kind of dumb. How many, did anybody else do anything dumb this week? Make me feel a little bit better. Anybody do anything dumb? I walked on, um, I, w- I did a two-mile walk uh, on the sand this week. And when I sat down, Kim said, I kind of crossed my leg over. Kim said, something's hanging off the bottom of your foot. And I pretty much took off the whole bottom layer of skin from one of my feet and have a blister this big on the other foot. And I am walking slow today. And I told Joe, looked at me, and to affirm me, he laughed at me on the way in today. I said, listen, that's not an old guy injury. That's a sports injury. And he said, you tell yourself whatever you need to. It's okay. But uh, So I'm not gonna be moving around a whole lot today, I think, but uh, uh, we're gonna get through this real good. I wanna invite your attention to Nehemiah with me, or excuse me, Numbers, the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, fourth book in the Old Testament. And we're gonna be looking at chapter 12 today. And while you're turning there, and if you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up on the screen for you. I just wanna tell you a couple things we have going on over the next few weeks. This Wednesday night is Nick and Katie, uh, my son-in-law and daughter, who are man of missionaries, uh, officially ordained, sanctified, delivered, and now they're getting out of here to go raise some money, which we're very thankful for, uh, that the Lord's opening some doors up for them on the East Coast. They got the next two and a half months, I think. They're gonna be visiting churches on the East Coast. We're gonna have a little send-off for them on Wednesday night. We're calling it Pop Night. There's gonna be popcorn and popsicles and popcorn chicken. So... We're gonna have that all together on Wednesday night. All of our adults will be meeting in where our Spanish ministry meets on, uh, uh, during on Sundays. We're gonna be meeting in the room next door. So please be here. We got a bunch of neat things happening on Wednesdays. We'll be talking about those. A week from Wednesday, we're gonna be doing something really fun with our Spanish ministry. And we're gonna be having, back by popular demand, our second annual corn boil. Or if you're from this area, corn bowl. So that may be a little easier for you to understand. And we'll talk about that more next week. It's gonna be a lot of fun. And the next Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, we're gonna bring our Spanish church in with us. And we are very, very, very blessed. Next week we have uh, with us, I'm gonna be here with him also, uh, doing some uh, teaching with him. But uh, Craig Johnson from Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas. Craig is the executive pastor for Joel Osteen. And uh, just an amazing ministry. They started a ministry out of their church called Champions Club, and they're gonna help us start it in our church, and it's a ministry uh, for special needs kids. Uh, Craig has a son that has special needs, and he'll talk about that a little bit next week, and he's gonna help us start a ministry for special needs children uh, so that we can not only minister to kids, but to their parents so they can come to church. A lot of special needs children's parents can't come to church together. Uh, because it is such a huge issue for caregiving, and we're gonna be able to minister to the kids with with trained help, and then their parents are gonna be able to come to church. Uh, We have a family in our Spanish ministry who said, Pastor, the week that we start that, every one of my friends and every one of their kids are gonna be in our church. And uh, the word's gonna spread big time about that, but we're gonna, Craig's gonna challenge us next week, and I know you're gonna be very blessed. He spoke for us on Christmas a couple years ago, 
with Canyon, and he did such a great job, and I'm really excited he's gonna be here with us next weekend. So we're starting a series today called Forgotten Virtues. And, um, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of, of when, when we see what happened this week in uh, Galveston, Santa Fe, I, I, I think the town is called, uh, another tragedy like that, uh, you know, the, the shock and awe of, of, of the devastation of that hits all of us. Uh, we just can't imagine, you know, we, you know, just like the governor said uh, in his speech afterwards, you know, moms and dads, go home and hug your kids today. And thank God you have them today. And really, that was, there was a lot of compelling um, stories, a lot of compelling uh, statements that were made. Uh, I was really proud of our governor, uh, of, of our lieutenant governor, uh, for a lot of the comments that, that, that they made afterwards and suing. And, 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 you know, we just live in such a great state. And I I'm, I'm really am. I'm really proud to be, part of, uh, to be part of Texas and to be a Texan. But uh, because the stars at night are big and bright, Deep in the heart of Texas. That was not very, that was not very uh, believable from you guys. But, um, you, you know, it was just tough. And we were, we were in Galveston about maybe 10 or 15 miles away from where it happened. And we were, I mean, frankly, we were on the beach uh, when, when we heard about it. We were sitting next to a teacher who teaches in uh, Pasadena. And uh, she had off and she was telling us about it. And we, you know, we, of course, wherever you were, I'm sure everybody stopped and prayed and, and thought about that. But, you know, that day, all the shocking stuff comes up, and then maybe like a day or two later, people start writing kind of dumb stuff on Facebook about gun control and about just 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 unnecessary things. Frankly, I, I think, and it's uh, and they start bantering back and forth. One of the things that I saw this week, and I we I've been planning this series for a couple of weeks, but one of the things I saw is that there's there's been a lot of comments of. Uh, I had uh, an evangelist that I know put something on there today. When did gun violence start? Uh, it never happened when the Bible was still in school. And, and, and maybe that's true, maybe that isn't true. I don't know if there was any facts to validate that, but it certainly seems that in the past five, 10 years, even going back to Columbine, I think in 1993, when these kind of things started happening, uh, it just feels that, 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 that the, the soul of our culture, the soul of our of our country is just, it feels like it's dying spiritually. Um, and it's really hard to, to, to put a tangible value on that except to say that, you know, we, we, we believe that the United States of America was founded on biblical principles. We celebrate that. Next week, you know, Memorial Day weekend, we'll remember our fallen bets and we'll have some kind of visual and some kind of prayer and some kind of thing that we do. Because we believe our country was founded on biblical principles. But I gotta tell you, and I don't say this in a judgmental spirit or say this uh, trying to uh, hurt anybody that believes differently than, than, than what I'm about to say, uh, but I don't think we live in a Christian culture. I think we live in postmodern Christian culture. Um, the values of the word of God, the values of the Bible, the values of the church, the values of Jesus Christ himself are not things that drive our culture and our value system today. They're just not. The Bible talks about that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves. And you go down this list, and all these things in that list that you read, you go, that's true about our country today. There are some things that aren't part of our value system. And, you know, we can blame a lot of things. Like people are like, well, you know, it's Satan, or it's, it's this politician, or it's, you know, back when this happened. Listen, uh, when, when all this morality stuff that's being talked about with our president today and how 
it, you know, as Christians, uh, as a whole, the Christian culture, and I'm not saying you did or didn't, but as a whole, the Christian culture is to believe to have been one of the biggest pushers behind our current president. Could be true, could not be true. Whoever you voted for, that's between you and the Lord, okay? But this immorality stuff that's kind of coming up about his life right now, that's, that's not new. That was all the way back in the 90s with the two or three presidents ago. And, and, and something happened to the soul of our country and to the, and, and to the morality of our country. And, and we blame presidents and people and leaders and this and this and this. But I'll be honest with you, I think it has to do with more of the church than anything else. And I think what, what we stand for, what we believe, what we teach, what we, what we instill into the lives of kids, into the lives of teenagers, into the lives of families is, is so critical. It's not a social thing we're trying to do. We're trying to get people to believe and follow after and submit to and make the word of God the centerpiece of their lives. And today I wanna to talk to you about, uh, we're gonna talk about forget, forgotten virtues over the next five or six weeks. And today I wanna to talk to you about the principle of honor, of honor. Uh, how many of you got up yesterday morning really early and watched some of the royal wedding? Raise your hand up. Guys, don't be embarrassed if you did it, okay? We watched some, my wife recorded it, we were driving, and she told me today we're gonna to be watching that. It may coincide with nap time, I'm not really sure, but uh, we're gonna watch some of that today. One of the things that, you, that, that you'll notice in a royal wedding is the pomp and the circumstance and, the, and, and the, the pageantry and the majesty and all those different things, but there's something that happens uh, during that wedding uh, where there's a lot of honor. There's, there's, there's honor to authority, there's honor to the position, there's honor to... Uh, all those different levels of authority that, that, that take place there in, in that, that, that royal scheme of things. And, and it's, it's really interesting to watch because it's just something we don't see a whole lot in our country today of. But I wanna read you a story out of Numbers chapter 12. Uh, Numbers chapter 12, and this is a story of, of Moses, his brother, and his sister, Aaron and Miriam. And... Um, Needless to say, you know, Moses had the daunting task of being the leader of over two million Jews to uh, transport them or lead them out of Egypt into the promised land, the land that God promised them. You know that they had to wander the wilderness because of disobedience, and, and even because of Moses' disobedience, he didn't get to enter into the promised land himself. But man, a lot of great, great leadership lessons, a lot of great lessons uh, in, uh, you know, there's, there's the, the, the Ten Commandments. There's all kind of different faith lessons we learn from Moses in the book of Exodus, but kind of right here uh, in, the, in the middle of Numbers. Now, Numbers is kind of one of those books that you start reading and you do everything you can to zip through it because Numbers has a lot of lists and it has a lot of numbers, okay? It has a lot of the, the number, of, uh, kind of doing a, uh, a census on all the tribes and different things. And sometimes when you get reading through Numbers, it, you, you, you kind of zip through it a little bit. Uh, and, and you know, sometimes there's a, there, there's a meaty story in there that, that you'll miss, and there's a really good one here in Numbers chapter 12. And I wanna read this for you, Numbers chapter 12. In verse number one, it says, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now, uh, if you look up what this means, Cush, K-U-S-H, was a country or a region uh, south of Egypt, uh, which probably would be somewhere like in the Ethiopia range, maybe a little bit south of Ethiopia today in, in, on today's map. But Moses married a woman of, of dark skin. She was black. Now, it's kind of funny. Uh, today's culture, 
we kind of don't know how to refer to each other anymore because of political correctness. Do you ever find yourself in that awkward, you know, situation where uh, you're, you're, you're describing someone and you say, well, they were, um, uh, and you don't know what to say because you don't want to get in trouble and you certainly don't want to be disrespectful. Well, what was happening here was Moses, who was married to a black woman, she was an African black woman, and uh, Moses' brother and sister started to talk against him and, you know, listen, racism isn't exclusive to the United States of America. It's all the way back in the Bible, even back in the book of Genesis. But here in, 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 in Numbers chapter 12, we see that uh, Miriam and Aaron began to talk bad about Moses because he was married to a woman from Africa. And they had a really hard time with that. And they said in verse number two, kind of comparing themselves, has the Lord only uh, spoken through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard them saying this. Now, Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anybody else on the face of the earth. At once, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron and Miriam, come out of the tent meeting, all three of you. So they come out of the tent, all three of them together. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said to them, listen to my words. Now you read this, you go, okay, you know, Think about this for a second. They're in a tent and they're talking. They're gossiping about Moses. Moses may be doing something else. Then God's voice speaks to them, okay? Uh, I would be scared. Would you be scared a little bit? God, I want you three to come out of the tent now. You know, uh, everybody out of the tent with your hands up. I don't know if it was something like that. But they stepped out of the tent and the pillar of cloud that they were following during the day was right in front of the tent and there was a voice coming out of the pillar of the cloud. Now, that would certainly make anybody that's normal shake in their boots, and I'm sure they were too, because they knew it was the voice of God. God came down a pillar of cloud, stood at the entrance of the tent, summoned Aaron and Miriam, and when the two of them stepped forward, he said this, listen to my words. Where, when there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions, and I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true about my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house, when I speak uh, with him, I speak face to face, and I speak clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of God. Why then were you not afraid to speak evil against my servant Moses? I mean, think about what he said. He said, when I talk to prophets, uh, I speak to them in dreams, speak to them in visions, maybe I'll throw a riddle at them to try to get them to understand what I'm trying to teach. He says, I don't do that with Moses. I have such a close relationship and high esteem with Moses that I speak of Moses and Moses sees my form. And listen, you remember the story about when Moses was up in the mountains and, and Moses asked God if he could see him and God said, I don't, don't look at me, but I want, you can look at my glory when it passes by. And when Moses saw God's glory, the Bible says that Moses' face was lit up like a light bulb uh, because he, had, he was just exposed to the glory of God. And, and God was rebuking Aaron and Miriam and said, listen, I've spoken through you guys. You're right. You are prophets. I've given you visions. I've given you dreams. I've spoken in riddles. I've done that with lots and lots of people before. But I want you to understand something. Moses is my guy. He's somebody I'm very close to. He's so close to me that he has seen my form. And Moses was, uh, God was rebuking them because of their 
disrespect to Moses. Now, this little passage here talks about, it talks about dishonor, but then, then it talks, it goes from dishonor because they dishonored Moses, and then it goes to honor because God honors Moses to Aaron and Miriam, and then God punishes Aaron and Miriam. It says in verse number nine, the anger of the Lord burned against them and he left. When the cloud lifted up above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. And Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin that we have so foolishly committed. Now, this is pretty important, too, because this is a little side note on gossip, right? Miriam was gossiping to Aaron. Aaron was listening to the gossip. And Aaron admits, we have sinned. You see, there's two guilty parties when gossip's involved. We're not even talking about gossip today. There's the gossipy and the gossiper. And if somebody wants to gossip to you about somebody else, just, just tell them this. Say, homie, don't play that. Or come up with some little phrase that'll remind you not to do that. Because when you give somebody an audience, and, and you can mark this down to be true, I, I, I probably have learned this because I'm, I'm, I'm getting older now. If somebody is going to gossip to you, they're going to gossip about you, and you can write that down. Fact. Gossip people gossip about everybody, okay? And that's, that's a little freebie there. You can, I'm not going to charge you for that today, okay? So the Bible says in verse number 12, do not let her be like the stubborn or the stillborn infant coming from its mother womb with its flesh half eaten away. Moses cried to the Lord, please God, heal her. So we have dishonor, honor, dishonor when Moses went, when, uh, when God punished Miriam uh, with this disease. And then the person who was dishonored honored his sister. And he prayed to God and asked God to heal his sister. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside of the camp for seven days, and after that you can bring her back. So Miriam was confined outside of the camp for seven days, and the people did not move uh, on until she was brought back. So listen, she not only got kicked out of camp for seven days, because you, if you had leprosy and you were healed, you had to go to the priest. The priest would say, yes, you're clean, but you got to spend seven days outside of camp so we can make sure it doesn't stir up again. If you read this little niche here that says in, in, in this verse, it says not only did Miriam get kicked out of camp for seven days, they were still moving. This was, a, this was a mobile group here. They were going from place to place to place to place. And the Bible says that the entire nation of Israel had to stay still for seven days and wait for Miriam. So how do you think Miriam felt when she walked back in and everybody's watching her going, uh, we've been ready to leave for seven days. Okay, Miriam, what's going on here? And she, we talk about the walk of shame. She came back in, the walk of shame, right? But you saw honor and dishonor and honor and dishonor and honor. And I want to give you a good definition of honor and without honor. Honor is to value, respect, or highly esteem. But without honor, the, the definition, a working definition of without honor is to dishonor or to treat common or ordinary. And here's the thing about honor. You know, we, honor, you, you, you may look up the word honor and look in your uh, thesaurus uh, of what honor means. You could find the word respect, maybe synonymous to that word honor. But listen, uh, respect is something that's earned, and I understand that. But honor is something we're supposed to freely give. We're not supposed to withhold honor 
from anybody. We read when we were doing our all-in campaign in Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And I want to read the story to you again just, just, uh, just by, uh, uh, to, to remind us here. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach the synagogue, and all that heard were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's the wisdom that's been given him? Why are these remarkable, what are these remarkable miracles that he's performing? He's just a carpenter. Isn't he Mary's son? And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? And the Bible says they took offense at him and Jesus said to him, or to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his relatives and in his own home. And then in verse five and six, it says, he couldn't do any miracles there um, except... Uh, he laid his hands on a few sick people to heal them, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. So, and we talked about that in our, in our all-in campaign, that, the, that God's miracles were hindered because of their lack of faith. God's miracles were hindered because of their lack of honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is this understanding of honor? What is it about honor that's this biblical principle that God tells us we're supposed to honor? Who are we supposed to honor? How are we supposed to honor and then how are we supposed to follow honor, uh, an honorable trail in our lives? Well, who are we called to honor very simply? The Bible talks about in Exodus chapter 20, we're supposed to honor our parents. And here's the thing about honoring our parents. It says in uh, Exodus 20, verse number 12, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. It tells us that again in Ephesians chapter five and six about honoring our parents. And when we do honor our parents, God blesses us with a longer life. Now, how, if, it's, if it's numerically, if it's fuller, if it's richer, that's up to God, but he made a promise and God keeps his promises. And he tells us that we're supposed to honor our parents. But here's the thing. It doesn't say honor honorable parents. It says honor your parents. Here's the thing. There's not a mom or dad uh, in this world that's ever been or ever will be perfect. Uh, Adam and Eve weren't perfect parents, but here's the other thing about perfect parents. And uh, we were um, talking to a family that was going through a real, real tough time with their teenagers. Man, the Lord just gave me this word, and I, it came from him, I promise you. Uh, they were so down. We've tried. We've done this. 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 We've tried. We've, we've taken them to church. We've done this. And, and, I just, and, and, and God just put it on my heart to tell them, listen, you, just because your kids aren't perfect doesn't mean you weren't good parents. God has children that have failed, and he is the perfect parent, Right? And that gives parents like, okay, maybe I don't have to be perfect. But that, that doesn't take away from, from what the Bible tells us to do here. All of us as, as offspring, we're called to honor our parents, even if our parents aren't honorable people. Uh, I, m many people in our church represent broken homes and broken lives and, and stuff that's gone wrong in their lives. We are called, the Bible says, to honor our father and our mother. Here's the second thing. We're called to honor people in authority. Romans chapter 13, verse seven, it says, give to everybody what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay your taxes. If money, then give them money. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Romans chapter 13 is a great, great, great chapter on respecting and honoring authority. And God tells us, we have a command in our lives to honor authority. Um, when, when President Barack Obama was our president, it used to drive me crazy. Uh, you know what? When, when he was the president of our country, you know what it revealed a lot in our country? Even though 
we've come so far along that we could have somebody uh, that, that was black or of darker skin or African-American or however I won't, we'll say that and not get in trouble today, to become president. You say, man, we've really come far, right? But you know what happened? A lot of our countries, a big racial divide because of that, and that divide's even wider now today, right? Uh, I, I used to, I had somebody in my church say all the time um, who was, let's just say he was not a President Obama supporter up in Philadelphia. And most of our church there was, believe it or not. Um, and he would say stuff about him all the time. I said, listen, Bible doesn't say you have to like him. I don't care if you voted for him, but stop talking about our president in front of our kids like that because you're teaching kids how to dishonor authority. He was our president. And you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound old for a second. Back when we were kids, somebody say amen to that that's a little older, amen? You didn't talk to authority like that. You didn't talk about authority like that. Things were different. Things were super different. I remember when I was a kid, I wasn't even allowed to open the refrigerator door without asking my mom or dad. You didn't go make yourself food. You asked for it. And you said, sir, and ma'am, and please. And, and, and listen, I'm not coming down on our kids right now. I'm saying moms and dads, that starts with us. When our kids hear us dishonoring and disrespecting and complaining about authority and about government officials and about police and about people that have, when they see us disrespect authority in their lives, you know what we're doing? We're teaching them to be disrespectful. We got to teach them honor. We got to teach them honor. And it, and it starts with our own lives. We have to honor those in authority. Listen, I don't know anybody, anybody that got up, that had to write a check on April the 15th to the IRS, said, yes, I get to fund the government of the United States of America. This is awesome. No, I wrote that check just like you did. I had $1,600 on my taxes this year. And I was like, oh, no, $1,600. I can't believe I got to do better with my withholding or do this or do this and the government and this and this and this and this. And I'm complaining, and I live in the greatest country in the world that's ever existed. A little louder, and a little bit louder now, and a little bit louder. Did I say amen a little louder because we're light today because it's raining? It's like a snow day up north when it rains in Texas, okay? But we have to be respectful and honor, and we teach honor by doing what? Living and speaking honor into other people's lives. Husbands, the way that you talk to your wives, you know what you're doing? Somebody said, I, I gave my testimony in church a few months ago. I talked about a postman whose name was Chuck, and he was single, he was 50 years old, living in a one-bedroom apartment, and he lost his whole life because he just did a lot of dumb, 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 dumb things. And he said, that's how you're going to be because you're living a dishonorable life. He said that to me. And he said, you know what? Your kids are going to be just like you someday. Your girls are going to marry men just like you. And I was, no! That's a scary thought. Your daughter's going to marry somebody just like you, Kevin. God help us all, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the way. He's a good man. I love that guy. He's my buddy. But I'm just telling you, that's tough to think about, right? So what do we have to do? We raise the expectation of what our girls, of what our sons, of what our kids, and how they're going to be in, 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 our, uh, in our culture when they get older with honor if they see it emulated in our lives. Do you treat other people with honor? with kindness, with humility. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man that was on the face of the earth. What a testimony, right? 
And this humble man was being picked on by his, of all the trouble that he had in Israel. The sickness, the disobedience, the lack of faith, the people that were following him, that were, that were very, very apprehensive followers. All this stuff that Moses had to deal with, and then he had to deal with it with his brother and sister. I'm sure he just walked away and went, oh my gosh, were you two, please, not you two also. I mean, I'm sure, but the Bible says he was humble, and when Miriam was punished for what he did, God was called upon by Moses to heal her because of Moses' humility, because Moses honored others. We're supposed to honor those in authority. We're supposed to honor spiritual leaders. 1 Timothy 5, 7, give the people these instructions so that no one may be to blame. Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another with love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something, and I want you, church, to keep me accountable for this. I, I mean this with all my heart. Um, you're not gonna hear me get up in front of our church and talk bad about other pastors. When I told you that Joel Osteen's executive pastor was coming to our church next week, right? I, some of you went, hmm, Joel Osteen, huh? That's where we're going now, huh? You, you let, just come and listen to this guy, okay? But you know what Christians are very, very good at? Being critical of other pastors and other ministries. We are. We criticize this one because they... They do this, and they, 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 they do the gifts of the Spirit. We criticize this one because they do that, and we criticize this for being too conservative, and this one for being too wild, and this one for being too this, and the way this one dresses, and the way, and you know what we're teaching our kids? How to be critical about other churches and other ministries. If there's another church on the other side of town or down our street that's reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have no business talking ugly about them. We're called to defend Scripture. We don't have to talk bad about other people to defend Scripture. We can let our yeas be nays, our nays be nays. We can do all that we need to do to, to be very, very sure that we are teaching and preaching the Word of God. And you know what we don't have to do when we're doing so? Talk bad about other people. Because you know what that, you know who does that? The world does that. That's what the world does. And we you, you know Instead of getting mad at other churches, I can't believe that church does this, and I can't believe that church does that. And did you hear what that pastor said? And that pa- I, 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 had a, I had somebody challenge me a couple years ago, and we had Craig come to our church. If you were here, you know what kind of guy this guy is. Humble, kind, godly. He's just, he's just a great, 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 great guy. Has such a heart for people and, and, and for ministry, and, and he wants to pour into our church. And listen, their church has 55,000 people on the weekend. You say, what does that matter? It matters a whole lot because he's coming to a church that runs about two or 300. I chose the kind of human, because we don't give love offerings that 55,000 people churches give. I can just tell you that right now, right? But you know what he's doing that for? To invest in our ministry. He's doing that to invest in our ministry. And, and I'm thankful for that. But we've got to be careful. Moms and dads, you have to be so careful in what you're communicating to your kids every single day. And listen, I'm not insecure enough to tell you to not talk about me. My dad used to say, let people talk about you because when they're talking about you, they're not talking about other people. So, you know, give yourself to be a target, which I, I used to think was kind of funny. And I, that's, it, 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 there's a lot of wisdom to that too. And I'm not, I don't feel that people talk bad about me. I'm not accusing anybody of talking bad about me. And I'm not here to preach about myself. But I'm also not dumb enough to believe that it doesn't happen. You know that. And it's okay. 
But you know what happens when you teach your kids that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, respect towards authority? They're not going to want to go to church when they get older because all pastors are hypocrites. All pastors do this. All pastors do that. And the way that you respect and honor, listen, I'm not worthy of that, but the position is worthy of it because that's something God put in our lives. And, and, and we all ought to try to live honorable to earn that. I get that, and I want to do that in my own life too. We have to be so careful how we communicate to others in that realm. Spiritual uh, leaders. And here's, here's the next one. This is really what I really want to focus on this morning is this. We have to learn to honor each other. Each other. Face value. Human beings. And here's why. Do you know why we're supposed to honor one another? Check this out. Genesis 127 says this. God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You know what? You're sitting next to somebody who was made in the image of God. So look at them and say this very carefully. Say, you look like God. You can say that to them. Doesn't that feel weird to say that? You look like God, I think, and I hope that wasn't disrespectful to God. It wasn't because that's what the Bible says. We were made in God's image. We were made in God's image. And because we were made in God's image, we are supposed to honor what God created. We're not supposed to swear by heaven, swear by hell. We're not supposed to swear by what's on the earth, in the past, or anything. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. We're supposed to honor one another. Treat each other with honor. So why is dishonor so prevalent in our culture and in our society today? Well, the Bible is no longer the standard of living. It's just not. It's not revered, and it's not respected the way it was when, when most of us were younger. Moral absolutes are more moving towards non-existence. When, when, when the moral absolute of a guy is a guy and a girl is a girl is even talked about where that's a question. God, I'm not picking on people that struggle with that. Listen, if we have 100 people next week that struggle with their gender identification, you know what we're called to do? Not to tell them they're a girl or a boy. We're called to love them. But our culture has permeated this message where there are no moral absolutes. Where, where, where people value rights over responsibilities. That's my right. I have a right to do this. I have a right to do that. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. We, so many of you that, that, that are in a generation that, came, that preceded my generation, responsibilities were something that was taught that's just not taught today. We live in the me first world system. And like I said to you earlier today, the Bible describes this type of culture as last days. So here's what it all boils down to. Why is dishonor so prevalent today? Because honor starts with honoring God. And people today in our world have lost the understanding of what it means to honor God. And who is responsible for that? The church. We're the caretakers. We're the ones that are supposed to pay forward this idea of honor in future generations. Psalm 22, verse 23, it says, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All of you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, 
all of you descendants of Israel. Isaiah 29, 13. These people came near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me based on human rules that they have been taught. We have got to learn the significance and importance. Listen, if we're honoring God with our lives, Jesus told us in the New Testament, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And every other thing, all 600 plus commands that are in the Bible rest on those two primary commands. And where does it start with? Acknowledging and honoring God for who he is. He's the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. Colossians 1 says that he is before all things and through him all things consist. God is. I was talking the other day, we went over uh, to uh, Dan and Mary Ann's place to celebrate Jolie and Jenna's engagement. Congratulations, Jolie and Jenna. And we were sitting there just kind of chilling out and Gary did what Gary does, right? Gary, our ginger Jesus, our youth pastor, goes up to this total stranger and starts talking to him about Jesus. Like, Gary, we're trying to have a barbecue here. What are you doing, you know? And what Gary did was pretty clever. He, he, he kind of gave this guy a little shot of the gospel and was talking to him about the Lord. And, and I was sitting down, and Gary brought him over and sat him next to me and left. So I, you know, he totally left me hanging with that. But it was really cool because the guy said, hey, what are you doing? I told him what I did. And um, he said, he said, Hold on, I, I told him I, I pastor a church it's a couple blocks from here. We'd love to have you, this, this, and this. And he said, I am a professional atheist. But by professional, I guess that means he gets paid to be an atheist. I don't know what that means, but he said he was a professional atheist. Started talking a little bit. And he said, a couple months ago, he said, I don't know if your church would like me. He said, a couple months ago, I was in rehab uh, for substance abuse for, for 90 days. I said, you're exactly what our church is looking for. You fit the qualifications perfectly, right? He just looked at me like I was an idiot. I said, no, you do. We would love to have you. And um, he said, somebody gave me a Bible, and he said, I was in there for three months, and I've read through almost the whole thing. I don't know, I don't know how many Christians could say that. The guy's a professional atheist, said he's almost read through the whole Bible in about 90 days. And then he said, the stories are very compelling, and it's made me curious. That's kind of cool, right? That's, that's the power of the word of God. So I said to him, I said, I want you to read a verse. Have you read through a, a, a section? Now, if you think about it, you know the Bible, right? If you, you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know the Bible is the Old Testament and the New Testament. How many books are in the Old Testament? Somebody tell me. 39, very good. How many in the New Testament? 27, very good. You guys are awesome, right? And we could give you some stats about the Bible that you guys will know the longest book in the Bible is Psalms. The longest chapter in the Bible is 119, very, how many verses in Psalm 119? I'm going to buy you lunch if you get this right. Now, 176, but I'm going to buy you coffee anyway because you were close, okay? So we could give you all the, and, and by giving some of those stats that we know about the numbers of the word of God, we go, oh, man, that guy really must be a really good Christian, right? But you talk to somebody that's never read the Bible and you say, have you read the book of Hebrews? Well, I thought we were talking about the Bible. You know what I'm saying? There would just be a disconnect because they don't understand even, even the structure of the word of God. So I said to them, about two-thirds of the way through the Bible, there's a section called Hebrews. And there's a verse in the book of Hebrews that talks about people's faith from the earlier part of the book. And there's a verse in there that it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then it says this, that God is, he exists. I said, I'm not trying to 
be disrespectful to you, but of course the Bible's gonna say that God exists. I said, and then it says this, that God rewards those who diligently seek him. I said, so if you really wanna know that God is alive, I could give you some really compelling arguments, read some stuff out of the Bible, and help you understand that today if you want to. Or I would encourage you to do this. Close your eyes and pray and say, God, help me to understand you. I really want to know who you are. Because the Bible says that he rewards those who diligently, earnestly seek him. And I was talking to him about that. And he said, that's very compelling. I'm going to do that. So he got up, walked around the volleyball court, and came back. And he said, I did that. And then he left. So who knows what's going to happen? I think his name's Kajib or Kadib. So I'm, I, I don't remember. It was something like that. So we've been praying for this guy, right? But here, here's the thing about, uh, about other people's perception of God. You know where that stems from? It stems from us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the whole world. In John chapter 17, he prayed for his disciples and he prayed for future believers. He prayed for his disciples. They would believe, be protected, understand, do what they've called them to do. And then he prayed in John chapter 17. You know what he prayed for? He prayed for our witness. He prayed for our protection. He prayed for, you ready for this? Our unity. Because when the world sees that believers are one, Jesus said this, they will see the Father through the church when it's unified. And would you say today we live in a culture where the church, big C church, the universal body of Jesus Christ is unified or are we known better by what separates us? Honor starts with us. We honor God. We honor each other. We honor other churches. We honor other people. Let honor proceed out of our mouths so that people could see what kind of relationship we have with God today. I do this exercise with my girls when they were younger. We're called to honor three ways. We're called to honor up, honor down, and, all all, and honor all around. So I want you to do that with me. Everybody raise your hands up in the air. Ready? Honor up, honor down, and honor all around. Now say it with me. Honor, honor, and honor, 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 and honor. You could do a little bit of that with the hokey pokey with you. You want to do that too. Let me ask you these questions and we'll pray. How important is honor to you? How important is honor to you? I can tell you this. You know when you've been disrespected. Disrespect is just something that goes all over me. It does. And you know when that happens. So are you more concerned about how people are honoring you? Or are you like Moses, humble, meek, humblest man on the earth? And he was all about honoring others. How does our current generation dishonor God. We see that. Lifestyle, words, actions, this and this. We had a young guy come to our house a little while ago, and um, he was there visiting with us. I have, to, I, have to, I have to clean this story up a little bit. But uh, he said twice in front of Kim and I, uh, God's son's name in vain, and like real like ugly. You know, not like, oh, my God, or something like that, which is bad, really, really bad. But he, like, dropped something and was like, oh, Jesus, I can't even say it in my mouth. I feel bad saying it. But he said that. And I looked at him. I said, I need to talk to you. And I took him outside of the house, and I said something bad I shouldn't have said. I said, I would rather you say, and I said a bad word, than say God's name in vain in my house like that again. Do you understand me? 
He said, yeah. I said, excuse me? He said, what? I said, it's yes, sir. And he looked at me, and he, I mean, his eyes were like, you know, what I'm doing? am I exaggerating this? So I'm being nice about this story right now, too. His eyes got real big because I'm this big, and he was this big, and I wanted to go, bop. And it just went all over me that people talk about Jesus like that. We, you know what we need to do? Make sure that everything that comes out of our mouth, everything, is a reflection of. You remember when your mom and dad said to you, remember this? When you go to school today, everything you say and everything you do is a reflection of me and your dad or me and your mom. My dad said that to me everywhere I went. Don't you forget, he said this to me too. Your name is Junior, so if you do something bad, it's even worse than if your brothers and sisters do something bad. I'm sorry, Dad, because he was six foot eight, like 450. He was humongous. He is humongous. But he used to say to me, if you dishonor and do something bad, you're dishonoring your name and my name. And child of God, can I say something to you? If you say something dishonorable or live in a dishonorable way or treat other people dishonorably, you are a reflection of the Holy Spirit of God that lives with inside of you. Be a good representation of him.